Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday, March 8th, and it means it's a mock draft Monday. Ryan Wilson and Emory Hunt will join us for Mock Draft 4.0. Plus, we've got some interviews with prospects that will tack on to the end of the show as well. Amari Rogers and Levi Onwuzukwerke. I didn't get that right. Wilson, how do I pronounce it? Owen Sarike. Oh, and Sarike. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. My bad, bad, Levi. Um, probably should just call him Levi. Emery, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm cool, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here. Oh, no, thanks. And Emery, Emery joined us a bunch during the season to to do, uh, some, some preview stuff and always a good time to have you here. Uh, we will, as I mentioned, get to the mock draft 4.0. We have mailbags in the feed, uh, every Friday. If you want to leave a five star review with a free agency question, an off season idea, or an off-season inquiry, we will answer any and all mailbag questions with five-star reviews. If you leave a one-star review and tell us that Top Shot stinks, we will talk about more Top Shot. So don't don't do that. Um, we will also finish up our division by division previews this week and get ready for free agency. Tons of emergency podcasts coming. Uh, but you know, if you got time to kill between now and the start of the new league year, why not spend it on Paramount Plus? You've probably seen the journey to Mount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, Beavis and Butthead. Yes, it is quite the squad. Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible. And new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. Get this, it's where you can dive into live athletic competition from us at CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, the Masters, Champions League Soccer, and much more. Stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central, live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus, streaming now. Man, I love Paramount Plus. I've been watching a ton of it. My wife has never seen Indiana Jones, so I've been showing her. What? Wow. Right? She's never seen Star Wars either. I can understand. I've seen like 15 minutes of Star Wars and I've checked out. Oh, really? (laughs) There's something else I watched on Paramount Plus. Oh, uh, you know, I was watching the movie Kingpin. The, yeah, I remember that. That's a great movie. Uh, classic bigger. Yeah, that's in fact, uh, you should check that out again if you haven't, Emery, because that picture you took of Danny Cannell and tweeted out to the world. (laughs) That, that's the same. What's that guy with some hair everywhere? That's what Danny Cannell looked like. He looked like Bill Murray 25 years ago. Uh, all right. Ryan Wilson, mock draft, mocktacular. What, uh, what, what mock? This 28, 27? 27. 27. That is that's a, a lot of mock drafts. That's a lot of mock drafts. Yeah. Um, and it, this is a three round mock draft. It's, you know, it's sort of like a pitcher in baseball, right? You, um, you gotta get, you gotta get stretched out. I guess. No, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, you can't just come in and start throwing seven round mock drafts. You gotta, you gotta Oh, I gotta warm up. Yeah, I, I gotta warm out. up. That's right. I gotta, I gotta get my arm going. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it took 27 weeks, but here we are. Uh, three rounder. I think that, uh, Josh Edwards or either Chris Trapasso is doing a seven rounder this week. So they're, they're showing me up. They're rubber arms. Oy vey. Um, you know, and one of the things too about these mock drafts, Emory, is that you, uh, you have to, you know, prepare for free agency, right? Like we can't dive all in, but you, you know, you can examine the prospects and look at the prospects and try to figure out who, you know, who would be going where and who is a good fit. Um, you know, when you start to look at this first round, Emory, and we, I don't think it's any surprise that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson remain first and second on Wilson's big board for you with these quarterbacks and the, and the movement we'll see in terms of free agency. Are you thinking two quarterback? Are you thinking quarterbacks one and two in this draft, given uh, what you've seen from Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence? I think quarterbacks will go one and two, but I personally think it's Fields at two as opposed to Zach Wilson. 
Um, I, I think Phil Smee is, is just like Deshaun Watson in terms of that killer minst- uh, mentality, that killer instinct. Uh, we call it that dog in him. And, you know, a guy that – think about the bowl game – or, sorry, the uh, playoff game where, you know, people came in talking about, well, can he throw this, can he throw that, he's more of a runner. And he took away his one element when he got smacked in the side. He couldn't run and destroyed Clemson with his arm. So he played a one-dimensional game and beat Clemson uh, single-handedly, you know, in that uh, championship game or that playoff game. So when you look at a guy like that that was able to fight through pain and, and play well, he fought through a lot of issues at Ohio State. I mean, if he played one more season, his career would have looked like Trevor Lawrence in terms of the amount of games played, the amount of big games played, playoffs. So I would go with the battle-tested guy, especially in this New York media, uh, more so than Zach Wilson, who I think would be ideal in Kyle Shanahan. There are a couple of guys that I wouldn't want Kyle Shanahan to get his hands on if I was a defensive player, a defensive coordinator, and Zach Wilson would be one of them. Oh, interesting. So you think think Wilson would be a good fit in that Niners scheme is what you're saying? Absolutely. And you pair him up with a running back that I like and, you know, someone like Puka Williams. It's just oh, like man, I love all Puka. the offense. It's just, it's impossible. But, you know, Wilson is good. I think people, um, are treating Wilson as if he's just a, a hyped player at this point. So I can understand Ryan having him going second because this dude is not a bad player. Like he's a really good quarterback. Um, and I think people tend to believe that this dude is just being hyped up. Like, no, he's good. Um, and if you go back and watch his game against USC in 2019, he put it out there on the field that led those guys to victory in an upset against USC. This dude has always played well. I just think that last year he dealt with injuries, but this season he's, he was healthy, had a great offensive line in front of him, but he was able to go out there and dominate. So Wilson is a really good quarterback. He was probably, he's one of the three I would take in the first round, to be honest. Hmm. Wait, uh, one of the, one of, you, wait, so where's Trey Lance? On that, is he? No, for me, Trey Lance, it's, it's funny because we just spent all season talking about the 15 games Dwayne Haskins had at Ohio State and how that wasn't enough. And he broke records at Ohio State, was a Heisman finalist, broke NCAA records. And now fast forward a year and we're talking about a dude with 15 starts from the FCS level, uh, you know, in the offense that he didn't throw much. And the one game he played this year was kind of okay. So, we we're bypassing all of that history to jump this guy ahead of the line. So I, if it were my job on the line, I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him in the first round, unless I'm a team that has the luxury of sitting him for a year or two. Cause again, he was 19 last year. So now he's 20. So do we really want a 20 year old quarterback starting for your NFL franchise? But the problem is if you're, let's say someone like Atlanta, you're picking in the top five, you have the luxury with Matt Ryan, but you also have a big need somewhere else, and you have the fourth pick. Do you take this guy or you can take another premier player in the position? So I can understand the trepidation uh, for some teams, but I, 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 can under, I can also understand it if you're taking a guy high if you have the luxury of sitting him for a couple of seasons. And that's the thing. No one sits anybody, sits no. anyone anymore. Like you, you feel the pressure. The general manager's job feels like it's on the line when they start two and four, and the next thing you know, you're rolling them out there. I, I want to follow up what, what Emory said about Zach Wilson because that's a good point. Because a year ago, I was making all sorts of excuses for Jordan Love because I like Jordan Love a lot, and he played terribly in 2019. I mean, he played about as bad as you can play and still find yourself going in the first round because he had all those physical tools that people love, uh, people being everybody but Aaron Rodgers. But he ended up going to the bottom of the first round. And is Zach Wilson a, a better player than Jordan Love in terms of consistency? Yeah, in terms of physical skills, it's probably probably pretty close, but. Emory's right. In 2019, Zach Wilson played pretty well uh, on a team. They ran a different scheme there, but I, I think he he would make a lot of sense in San Francisco. And the funny thing is, I actually asked Levi Owens-Arike, who played at Washington 2019, opted out 2020, and he, he's a dominant defensive lineman. I, I said, did you guys game plan against BYU in 2019? Was Zach Wilson a concern? And he said, no disrespect, but he was just a guy. Like in 2019, that's how all of us felt about Zach Wilson. He's a guy who's 6'2". You know, he looks like he's 12 years old, and he can throw it a little bit, but he was injured. Um, so I, I think him being a top five pick isn't a surprise given the way he played, especially if we're willing to say that Jordan Love, given how poorly he played a year ago, ended up being in the first round too. You, you know what's interesting about this draft to me, and I was sort of I was texting with Pete Prisco about this uh, earlier in the week, but or I guess last week if, if you're listening on Monday, and 
I mean, I do think we're going to see three quarterbacks go in the top ten. Like, I think that's uh, almost a lock. I don't know which three they're going to be. Maybe Mac Jones is up there. You got him going eighth overall to the Panthers. I don't. I don't see that personally. Love me some Mac Jones. You really do. Um, I'm telling you, people. I don't know how Emory feels. He's making a face, but uh, I'm telling you, the media folks are coming around. Uh, I was talking to folks in the league back in early December, and they they were hyping Mac Jones. And you know he don't look like much. I'll be honest with you. Stephen A. <laughs> Stephen A. is on my team now. I love that Mac Jones on on first take or something now. And they're like, get up! You know, exclamation points. Get up! He's talking. Dan Orlovsky's talking about Mac Jones. Oh, get up! Um, <laughs> get rid of the exclamation point. Um, Emery, uh, any thoughts on uh, Mac Jones? You know, here's a, it's funny because if I was to tell you you can draft a Matt Hasselbeck in the first round or, you know, someone like that. You'd be like, yeah, I could roll with Matt Hasselbeck. I, I like him. He, he got to the Super Bowl. He could play some some ball. That's what Mac Jones is. And, you know, people, we, we are now in the era where if you like a player, he has to be the best at his position mm-hmm. at all times. Like, so you say, man, Mac Jones could play. Yeah, but is he better than Tom Brady? Like, bro, I just said Mac Jones could play. <laughs> like, you know, that, that's how people are nowadays. So right. you watch Mac Jones. And you watch the offense. And, you know, it's funny because when I went into film study, I was going in waiting for the aha moment to see see Mac Jones is overrated. But as I'm watching, I'm like, you know, this dude is just consistently accurate at all levels of the field. The placement is where it needs to be. Um, that's why we saw so many long runs with these these receivers, these catch and run guys. And a deep ball, which is one of the harder things to do, a uh, throw for a quarterback, he's consistently accurate there. Now, he's not mobile. But he's mobile enough. He's more mobile than a, a Kyle Trash. So he can survive in today's game by being able to get himself out of trouble. Um, but the accuracy is consistent. The placement is consistent. You, Jimmy Garoppolo starts in the NFL. If you want a, a more, com, a, you know, a, a contemporary comparison, it's probably Jimmy Garoppolo. That's somebody, if you say now, you probably will take in the first round or maybe high second round, but. Mac Jones is another one that, that can play, but you know, we are now whereas you're comparing Mac Jones to Trevor Lawrence when they're different prospects, but you can win with Mac Jones. Hey, let me ask you this, Emory, because you, you play football um in college at a high level. What what does it mean to you when guys like uh Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle come out and say or told reportedly told teams in these interviews and they didn't hesitate? I'm taking Mac Jones over Tua. Is that them just throwing Mac a bone? Are they being honest? Are they not being honest? What, what what do you think they're doing? It's probably a little bit of everything. And the one thing that I hadn't heard talked about a lot from, from that regard is Tua's left-handed. And when you're a receiver and that ball is coming out from a left-handed pass, it, it comes out awkward. It yeah. spins different, you know? And so for a receiver, you're used to catching from right-handed people your entire life, probably. Um, and all of a sudden you get, throwing the ball from a left-handed person is like, I got to work hard to do my job naturally. It's almost like um, left-footed punters. Now I used to return punts in high school. And the one time you get kicked a punt from a left-footed punter, you're like, geez, like I, I got to, I really got to get underneath this and, and make sure I, I can't return this one because I just don't trust how the ball is spinning. And I know for a receiver catching passes from a left-handed guy, it can be tough. And it, you know, these guys came in the same class. We, you know, all the other things that you could point to. I don't think it was a knock on Tua per se, more so than this dude allows me to play my game at a faster level because he's throwing it where it needs to be and it's not coming out left-handed. You know, it'll be, it'll be nice when the free agency stuff starts to happen and we don't have, it's tough right now because there's so much that can go on in the, even just the early stages of free agency, whether it's the Sam Darnold situation, Deshaun Watson situation, you know, Miami, Carolina, I mean, San Francisco, you know, we don't, all of this stuff is, is so up in the air still in terms of like what could happen. Wilson, are you looking at anything in particular when you're sort of making these mock drafts? You're like, all right, like if, you know, obviously if the Jets don't trade Sam Darnold, then, you know, you have to be thinking about something else at number two, right? Yeah. Uh, basically I'm just holding on for dear life right now. I mean, it, it's a, <laughs> The, the the boat has capsized. I'm holding on to the sail, and I'm just waiting for the coast guard. Because you're, you're you're clinging to the the driftwood, like just come get me, shark. That's right. I'm Leo DiCaprio at the end of that thing. I'm about to get hit by the boat on the way down. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's say that they don't trade Sam Darnold, right? So I think Pete said this the other last week on on HQ, Pete Prisco, that um, he's heard that there is a struggle between 
front office and, and new head coach about whether to keep Sam or not. So, I mean, that's a legit concern. And I think one of the issues, whether it's Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or, or whomever you take at number two, you don't know what you have. Like, you know what you have in Sam Darnold. It may not be great. You can blame someone on the offensive line. And if you're going to keep Sam Darnold and then stockpile the offensive line, and if they get two or three guys in free agency, uh, an expensive uh, right tackle and, and someone on the cheap or the interior, then you're like, okay, well, maybe Sam Darnold has a chance. And you can draft some guys. You can find some running backs and get him a wide receiver, and things start to come together. So, that, I mean, that obviously changes your draft strategy. If you go out there and, and get – uh, you know, Daryl Williams or whatever in, in free agency, they, they don't need a right tackle all of a sudden. If they go out there and, and sign, they're not going to, but they signed Aaron Jones, for example. It, well, you're, you're not going to give them uh, Javante Williams in the second round all of a sudden because they, they don't necessarily need him there. They have other things they can focus on. So I think that is um, something we just have to wait on. When is the official start of free agency? Is it next week? Sure. It's coming up. <laughs> next, um, next few weeks. Yeah, no, it's, uh, the first, the new league year should be, I think it's like March, March it's like the week March of the 15th. 15th. Yeah, March 15th. That's right. Yeah, I was trying to do the math on seven days. Yeah, it's a Monday. It's a week from, to, it's a week from today. There it's you go. Monday when, when people are listening to this, Mar- Monday, March 8th. Yeah, so it's a week from today. Um, and it should be wild. You know, I think like the, the Darnold thing, I, the, the question is whether Deshaun Watson I don't know that we're going to get an answer on Deshaun Watson and, and where he will be for some time. Like, they, well, they better hurry up. But if you're the Texans, and we keep saying like, you got to got to hurry up and trade him. But like, what if they, what if they just don't trade him? I mean, they might, they're they're hurting themselves. Don't don't disagree. But the for the Texans, I think you have to even make the move before. Like, you you don't want to trade him after the draft and get twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three picks. That would be. Foolish. You want to get the picks that you have in hand, either number two, three, uh, I guess you could say, or, you know, eight, nine, depending on what you're willing to do. Um, excuse me, eight, nine, eight, nine, or, uh, what do the Niners have? Twelve? Yeah, twelve. So eight, so two, three, eight, nine, or twelve is probably your la- potential landing spots. And you want to try and pick one of those up if you can, bef- you know, before, before the draft. Emory, I mean, do you see any other, uh, any of these teams trying to solve their issues at quarterback rather than to dive into the, dive into the draft here? It, you would hope a lot of teams would probably take that route. They're waiting for that Deshaun Watson chip to fall. Um, and some teams could, you know, Jameis Winston is still out there. If New Orleans is still being held hostage by Drew Brees, you know, I mean, yeah. that's one situation that bears watching. Uh, Winston is out there. Mariota is out there. Uh, you know, so there are some options for teams. Let's say Washington. Washington picks at 19, right? Instead of taking a quarterback, um, maybe they go and get a veteran. I think they're probably more inclined to go get a guy uh, in free agency to help start as opposed to, or make a move for a Sam Darnold or someone like that, or Mariota, as opposed to drafting a quarterback, force feeding a pick at 19, you get a veteran. And then maybe in rounds two or three, you take you, your guy, a developmental guy, let's say like a Kellen Mond or a Jamie Newman, someone you can groom that has a little bit of upside left and play him behind his, you know, or work him in behind the veteran as opposed to force feeding a pick at 19. So I think some teams, I want to say after, let's say, pick 11, the Giants, um, you'll see teams maybe start to say, well, maybe we'll go the free agency route with the quarterback position as opposed to taking a Blaine Gabbard in the first round. <laughs> don't, don't ever take Blaine Gabbard. No. Ponder. Ponder. Yeah, you know, th- that is an interesting component. I was sort of alluding to it earlier, but the fact that this draft, the way that it shapes out, it reminds me a little bit of, um, 2017, I guess. 2017 was Watson Mahomes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 2017 where, and not that, you know, Watson and Mahomes and those guys, um, necessarily went really early, but, you know, we did see all these wide receivers like and, and running backs fill up the early part of the draft. And what happened was guys like Derek Barnett and Marshawn Lattimore fell down the board to teams. And we thought Hassan Reddick too. We'll see if he's, you know, capable of maintaining what he did last year. But I just, I sort of wonder if this, we, we might see the same sort of thing where, you know, like a guy like Patrick Sertan, who, you know, Ryan has going at 10 probably goes a little bit earlier if there aren't all these quarterbacks and, uh, and these wide receivers that people are enamored with, like Jamar Chase and, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, you know, Devontae, Devontae Smith. So I think those six guys or three quarterbacks and those three wide receivers are really going to help Wilson push uh, a lot of quality defensive players down in the middle of the draft. Yeah. And it actually might be the, the quarterbacks 
I mean, there, there could be four that go in the top 10 and people are, so I know some teams like Mac General Lots, if, if they end up trying to get them, maybe five in the top 12 or so. That's what so you have happening in this draft. So four in the top 10, let's say, but I think offensive linemen, there might be running those guys up top early. And, and I think the issue is, is, is that unlike last year when he had Chase Young, there's no sort of Chase Young light, even defensive end edge rusher in this class. So a lot of it's going to be projection. A lot of guys with a lot of great physical tools, a lot of get off. A lot of twitchiness, but just not a lot of experience. So those guys might fall to 15 or later. And depending on who you like, I mean, someone like Jalen Phillips, if you're okay with the medicals, he could end up being the first one off the board, which is sort of funny because a year ago we were talking about Gregory Rousseau, who played at Miami, ended up wearing the same uniform, but he, uh, same number. He opted out. But, uh, in, in terms of the, the cornerbacks, that'll be interesting. Uh, I like Caleb Farley a little more than Sertan and, and people either like that or, or like Sertan first and, and that's fine. But I do wonder if it's going to be quarterbacks and maybe offensive linemen. And then maybe these wide receivers, like I like Jamar Chase. I like Devontae Smith. I like, I like those guys a lot. Jalen Waddle, uh, to all go. Like if you had a pick and I need a wide receiver, I would take them all in the top 10. But I wonder, and I say this all the time, sometimes these wide receivers get pushed down. Like last year, Henry Ruggs was the first one to go off the board. I like Judy better. I liked, um, CeeDee Lamb better, but he was the first one to go to the Raiders. He didn't have a great year, but he went 12th, I think. So we, we could see these guys get pushed down if they're a run. On these quarterbacks, offensive linemen, wide receivers, and I, I'm not going to be surprised if Kyle Pitts goes before uh, Farley and, and Sertan both. He's that good. I, I'm, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you're crazy at all for suggesting that. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we get some sleepers from memory. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present a Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. All right. I, I always forget that when we do the pause in the live video that it's, you know, people are like staring at, like I'm like staring off into nothing. Um, that's live video for you. All right. So let's look at some sleepers from the draft. Emery, uh, you picked apart Ryan Wilson's mock draft. You found some, and we'll start with, uh, we mentioned some edge guys. Two guys that go in the second round. One, Wilson has going 38 to the Bengals. Joe Tryon out of Washington, and then Peyton Turner to the Chargers at 47 out of Houston. What do you like about these guys as, you know, as, as Wilson mentions, an edge class that does not necessarily have guys really on the top end of the, the talent here? Yeah, because a couple of guys that people were enamored with uh, all spring uh opted out. So I think people forgot about Joe Tryon and how good he was at Washington. Um when you talk about toolsy players, you know, ball get off length, uh acceleration, closing speech at a quarterback, that's Tryon. He's a lot like Montez Sweat. And we saw Sweat go in the top twenty. Um so I think once he goes through his testing and people remember that he owes excellent, especially toward the back end of, of the twenty nineteen season, he's probably gonna jump in the first round because he's a toolsy guy. Peyton Turner, to me, and I put this in my notes, this dude is a, you know, he's legit chaos on wheels. Like, <laughs> his pedal is mashed to the ground, through the floor, because it's on go all game long. And, you know, he's versatile enough to play across the front. So teams can see someone. You think in terms of how the Giants used their pass rush package when they went to the Super Bowl, you know, when they had multiple guys on the field. A NASCAR and, package. That NASCAR package. And I think he's capable of doing that because he's able to rush from the inside as well as on both ends. So he can play against both tackles and on the interior in, in, a, in a NASCAR package. So those are two really good pass rushers. I think Tryon may jump into the first round before Turner does, but Turner is going to be excellent. Turner, to me, is is one that if I was an offensive tackle, I would hate to block because this dude doesn't get tired. Um, and those dudes make you work all game long. Uh, but, yeah, those are two that I really like, especially Tryon, because I think people forgot – about him because he opted out. And you see that with a, you're going to see that with a lot of guys, um, at certain positions. Like people forgot how good Jamar Chase was. People forgot how good Farley was. Um, and, and cause now they're talking about JC Horn and these guys are good too. Uh, but I think people are forgetting about some of the premier opted out players, 
uh, because he didn't play. Yeah, no, I'm right there with him. In fact, I asked uh, Levi Lunzerike about Joe Tryon, and I think he was listed at 6'5", 255, something like that, 260, mm-hmm. when he played in 2019. Lunzerike said he's bigger now. Like, he's bigger. He's more cut up. He's faster. He's been training the whole time, so he's going to be ready to go. And, again, the, the thing is experience. Um, Peyton Turner had a great season, uh, but he just hadn't played a lot, and, and that's the thing. I mean, he turned it on from one year to the next, you watch, but I, I love everything about his game. And, and that's the funny thing. And, and Emory knows this better than anyone. Emory knows more uh, of the small school guys. Not that Houston's a small school, but no one talks about uh, Houston edge rushers until it gets to be draft season. But I love watching these guys having no idea who they were during the season and just being like, Oh, all right, this dude, this dude can play. And Peyton Turner is that guy. And I like him. I like the fit in, in Los Angeles. I mean, mm-hmm. Melvin Ingram probably ain't coming back. Uh, you got both on the other side. So it's not all on you as Peyton Turner. You got Derwin James coming back. Uh, you got Kenneth Murray coming back. I mean, that team is going to be legit, especially if they get some sort of playmaker at 13 to, to help out, um, Justin Herbert there. All right. Uh, let's look at another defensive lineman out of Iowa. Davion Nixon going at number 50 to the Dolphins, Emory. Yeah. Another one that's quick in all directions. And, you know, you talk about defensive linemen and how well they can get quick penetration. Well, that's him. And he has a good awareness and good eyes to go east and west as fast as he's going north and south. So he's one that can chase the ball. He pursues the quarterback really well. He's disruptive up front. Um, I think he does a good job of not staying blocked. So when you talk about that term, you talk about someone that is able to use his hands to disengage and get off blocks quickly and find the football. That's a nightmare for a quarterback or a running back to see quick pressure coming from the interior because that means the play is about to get blown up. Yeah, I've had Davion Nixon going in the first round uh, in some of these mock drafts because he is explosive. Again, it, it wasn't a lot of production in 2019, but we saw it in 2020. Uh, a lot of his sacks came against one team. I can't remember which team it is, but he's he's going to get better, and, and I think that's what you have to remember. He's better against the pass than the rush right now. But, again, he'll get stronger, and um, I'm looking at the – so I have him going to the Dolphins. I'm looking at the – they had five picks in the first three rounds. I had him getting Jamar Chase, Jalen Phillips, Travis Etienne at the top of the second, Davion Nixon, and Landon Dickerson. I mean, I think if Tua can't win with that, then then it might be on Tua. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, couple other uh, two other defensive players that you have sleepers here uh, going after the first round, and we like to do that. Um, we have uh, Andre Cisco, safety out of Syracuse, and uh, going to the Ravens at number fifty-eight. And Milton Williams, defensive lineman out of Louisiana Tech, going 75 to the Cowboys, Emory. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ryan would have had Cisco in the first round had he not been injured. You know, he tore his ACL, I believe, in a freak pregame injury. Um, But let's say full health, full strength, full health. This dude has A-plus awareness. He could play any one of the spots in the secondary. You can match him up against tight ends, bigger wide receivers, this dude's instincts is phenomenal, and he has ball skills. So he is what you want on the back end in today's game, especially with these three and four wide receiver sets. You can keep him out there on the field and not worry. This is this is a dude that is outstanding. I hope when he gets back healthy that he doesn't lose that that quickness and burst that he has because uh, everyone responds different to, to ACL surgery. I'm raising my hand because I've had, had it twice on the same knee. You kind of respond differently. The quickness is a little bit <laughs> – Going a little bit for me, it was. Um, and, but you hope his is, is fine. He can go right back to where he was for Milton Williams. First of all, there's no bad football being played in Louisiana at any one of the colleges. <laughs> you, just, you know, you could shake the colleges up and pull out a, a great prospect number one, but Louisiana tech seems to have produced, um, some really good defensive linemen in the last four to five years. Uh, Williams has a defensive end background. They kicked him inside a little bit. Uh, so he has versatility. You can play a five technique if you want to. You can put him over the, the guard as a three. But his quickness off the ball, his ability to use his hands and eyes together, makes him a tough block. This dude can whip a guard all day. So he's 275-ish, but I think he can get up to about 285 without losing you know, speed or quickness. And just his ability to play inside or outside gives you some flexibility up front. Yeah, it's funny about Andre Sisco. Like I watched him over the summer and I watched the Louisville game and I was talking to a scout in the fall and I said, man, I don't, I don't get the Andre Sisco hype because I live in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And he said, what game did you watch? I said, I said, he said, that's the worst game he has ever played in his life. He <laughs> said, there will be some people that will be affected by that, but you need to watch something else. So I watched a few more games this fall before he got hurt and he, he is a much better player. Sometimes you play bad games. I just happen to be the one 
that I watched. And uh, I, I'd like him. I like him right now in the second round. I do want to see how he comes back from that injury. Syracuse defense stinks, but they have some. They have Melifonlu playing wide cornerback. Uh, they had Cisco in the middle. They had Trill Williams. They should have been better than they were, but they have some guys that that are going to get drafted and some guys that that play at a pretty high level. And I think Cisco is going to be good. Milton Williams is another guy. I was talking about Peyton Turner. Milton Williams, like, oh my, this dude can ball. And it, it was uh, it was fun watching him. He hasn't played a lot of against a lot of big teams, but again, that's not his fault. What do you want him to do? But what I have seen, because you watch guys that aren't on play in and play out. He is on play in and play out. And I think you have to give him credit for that. And I think uh, like, uh, you know, a lot of these young guys, if he's focused, he's only going to get better. And he, and he is a, he's a problem in the middle of the defense. You know, what's funny about that. Uh, you, you brought up Syracuse. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I played at Louisiana, we had a secondary that consisted of Ike Taylor, Charles Hill, oh. and Brad Franklin, who got drafted by the Panthers. Um, Kyrie's Aber, who's a CFL also probably a CFL hall of famer. Offensively, you had um, Fred Stamp, CFL future Hall of Famer, Donovan Morgan, Arena League Hall of Famer, um, and pe- and Danny Scott, who played had a cup of coffee with the San Francisco 49ers. And people were like, man, how did y'all only win like five games or nine <laughs> games in four years? Like, hey man, it'd be like that sometimes, <laughs> you know. So we had a lot of talent, so I can relate to Syracuse and what happened this year with with that football team. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I came in as a running back, right? Ike was a tremendous tailback. I take, listen, we played Arizona State, um, and we just couldn't stop Sean McDonald on, on crossing routes, right? So he was killing us all night. <laughs> so we were like, you know, Ike was standing, I was standing next to Ike on the sideline. He was like, man, I need to go in. I need to score. And so coach threw him in the game and literally right before they threw him in, he was, that's what he told him, like, man, I'm about to go score. They threw him <laughs> a tall sweep, right? And this dude hit the short corner and turned it upfield and was gone 65 yards later. Ike was out the gate. I'm telling you, Ike was a tremendous tailback. And he moved in the corner to maximize his physicality and height and athleticism, and it worked out for him. He played a decade plus uh, for Pittsburgh, one of the real good corners in the league. Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Seelis Hummer, and uh, I lived – I moved – I left Pittsburgh the year he got there. Yeah, I left the, the year he got there, but I was still following him. I loved – like, he couldn't catch anything, but, man, he was physical, and, and he – I loved his game. I think he – like, you know, sometimes – Cities fall out of love with players. I think the Pittsburgh still likes Ike a lot because of what he was able to do. I mean, he came in with the same class as Paul Malu was in that class. And, um, those, those were the start of some really good defense because they stunk actually before that. That was the year before LeBeau got there. He got there in 2004. And, um, that's when it started, started to be on. Ike, Ike a good dude, man. I remember, uh, walking in the locker room and Ike was just had his headphones on, like bobbing his head. I'm like, Oh, it's about to be, it's about to be lit outside. <laughs> and I look and I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute. The, the headphones wasn't plugged in. So I'm, I'm like, yo, what the, this dude's psycho. <laughs> like, look at Ike, like Ike was in the, in, in the zone. He didn't need much to get ready. So, man, uh, and Ike on the same team. That's pretty crazy. Like. Yeah, you know, two. I mean, just two. In a, and I mean, old <laughs> caliber defensive backs. I think. Uh, um, I think I told B Mac the story. I don't know, but Ike's first couple years in Pittsburgh, he had a Hummer, and it said Ike Taylor on the on the license plate. And we were coming back from a Steelers game, and I, I was had just gone as a fan. It was 2005, so we've been there three years. And I saw Ike uh, like 10 years later. I think it was Brinson when you and I were talking to him at the Arizona Super Bowl. Yeah. And I said, Hey, man. Uh, yeah, I remember you had that Hummer that said Ike's. Ike Taylor on it. He said, yeah, that's all fun and games. So your girlfriend drives by the house where you're not supposed to be at. And you, get, you got your, you got your, you got your Hummer there with your license plate on it. So, pro tip. Don't put your name on the back of your car. Oh, that's great. All right. Finally, the, uh, one more sleeper to check out. Um, guy, this guy's just good. Michael Carter running back out of, mm-hmm. uh, UNC 66 overall to the Jets. So in this mock draft, the Jets come away with, Zach Wilson and Michael Carter. That's a, that's a little bit of a spark plug for your offense, Henry. Yeah, that's definitely jump starting your offense. Michael Carter doesn't need a blocker in front of him because he could be his own blocker. This dude can lit- literally make you miss in a phone booth, um, outside in, in a parking lot. It doesn't matter. He is, you're not going to touch him. And when you have that ability, it makes every play the right play. I mean, he sees front side to back side. His vision is great. His footwork is where it needs to be. This dude barely got touched um, at UNC. And it's funny because people talked about his teammate, Javante Williams, because, you know, people, pe- you know, people love, you know, guys that 
crash into people, you know, but you can't do that for a living. The ability to make you miss is something that's valuable because you're going to play a long time. Um, and for Carter to be, you know, being able to be that elusive back in an offense that's going to probably be tailor made to his skill set, that inside zone, outside zone game. I mean, you saw the, the game against Miami. I want to say this guy had like five or six runs where he ripped off a, a big chunk play where he didn't get touched. And it's not like he just went to the outside and turned a corner. Is running inside and making guys miss, and they cannot touch him. And this was something that you noticed, like because North Carolina has some really good um, offense. So when you're studying defensive players, you tend to find, okay, did they play North Carolina? I want to see how they match up against the passing game. So you're going back to 2018 and watching certain, you know, North Carolina games, and this dude number eight is always making at least two plays in a game. That's just dynamic. And to me, adding him in your backfield is adding instant offense. So adding him to the Jets with the quarterback, Wilson, whoever they're going to take, is going to do wonders for their offense. Yeah, and the funny thing is I had him going to the top of the third round, and he's a second-round pick all day long, and so is his teammate Javante Williams. But as I was going through this mock draft, that's just how it fell. I don't know if he lasts around three. He certainly may go before that. But there are a lot of good running backs in this class, and I like Michael Carter and Javante Williams both in, in, in different ways. But um, that Miami game, I mean, that's tough to watch if you're a Miami defensive player trying to explain what happened because both those guys ran all over them all day long. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really want to go back and dig up the NC State tape. <laughs> I know what they did. I don't need to – you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to see. I think they had – because they got a lead and just put the pedal down on the pack. We were not a great rush defense yeah, it's funny. I was watching that game because I was watching Lee McNeil, the big guy in the middle. And I was like, Very good player. UNC is, he was, he's fine, but the rest of those guys, I don't know if they were trying because they were, UNC was put a hurting yeah, on him. McNeil going to the third round? There are a lot of big guys, man. He's, you think he's a, is he a three down player, Emory? It, he doesn't have much uh, as a pass rusher, but his one dimension is really good. So it's <laughs> like, okay, which, you know, what defense do you need? I think he's a little bit quicker than, you know, Tyler uh, Shelvin from LSU, but both guys are kind of, you know, one-dimensional players. But McNeil, I think, has the ability to to really be disruptive because he's a little bit quicker off the ball. Uh, But you're right. Unless he's able to bring some pass rushing ability to the table. Now, there are some guys that may not be as good as them in the run game, but they're better than them as far as creating pressure at the nose tackle position. So I can see teams valuing those guys more so, uh, but those two are really tremendous. So until he's able to prove he can, you know, bring some pass rushing capability to the table, uh, then I think you're going to see that position kind of, you know, slide a little bit. All right, that's fair. Um, I think he goes in the second round. I, think he's just, I like him though. I like him. I like him. Yeah. He, he was my number one guy. I like, I like watching him. Okay. All right. Just making sure you guys aren't putting any disrespect <laughs> on my boy at least. Aline the dream. I like those two running backs though at, at NC State, man, when they get eligible, both of those guys are good. Zonovan Knight is going to be a star. Like that mm-hmm. dude is unbelievably good. I, I keep telling people that they're like, I'm oh, sure, whatever. He and is whoever 14 is. He's like Brandon Lloyd <laughs> out there. The dude catches everything. Oh, uh, wait, is that, is Knight 14 or is it, uh, um, Lloyd? That's a throwback. Yeah, that's a throwback. Whoever that receiver is, number 19, that dude is, uh, number 14, that dude is legit. 14. Um, Slim dude. Is it receiver or the running back? Receiver. For uh, NC State, he is awesome. I don't mm. know any of the numbers. Hold on. Um, yeah, you just called out Princeton on his own team. Wait, yeah. Is it like there? Is it is that there Thomas? Or is it Emeka Emezi? Yeah. No, no, no. Emezi's like 86 now. Yeah, but yeah, this, yeah. Was, this was somebody else. It's like uh, it, was, it was a team number that he was wearing. Oh, but this dude like me, like some acrobatic catches. Uh, Porter Rooks was 14. Maybe yeah. it was that. He's a true freshman. That could be it. What's his size? Uh, I don't know. How tall I thought you were looking at it. Uh, he's like six one. Yeah, it, it, it must have been him because that dude was yeah. tremendous. Yeah, we got they got some they got some pretty good players on. Mm-hmm. So they need to get uh, Devin Leary back in a bad way. But yeah, Zonovan Knight's a stud. Uh, and by the way, the um, the two Carolina guys had. Uh, let's see, uh, Carolina ran fifty five times for three hundred twenty six yards and five touchdowns That's against fine. NC State. Uh, Williams had 19 carries for 160 yards and three touchdowns, and Carter had 17 carries for 106 yards and a one touchdown. They are they are quite good at running the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so enough about uh, my team getting slaughtered. Let's uh, any 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 other thoughts from this particular mock, Ryan or Emery? 
No, this first one's in the books. I'm sure people will be yelling and screaming about it, but that's all right. That's, you know, that's part of the deal. Only yeah. thing I don't agree with is, is giving the Eagles a quarterback at six, but, um, yeah. I would have probably gone corner there, uh, just, just because, you know, every time I look up, somebody's giving up a big play on the back, on the back end for Philly. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's like, I need them to get the best corners. Hey, let, up let me tell floor. you. Let me tell you what I did for him, because I mean that's that's fair. And Eagles fans hate the fact that last week I gave him Mac Jones at six, and I thought they were going to come to my house and burn it down. This this week this week I gave him Justin Fields in the first, Asante Samuel Jr. the cornerback in the second, and then uh, Amari Rogers and Justin Hilliard in the in the third. So they got their cornerback. They got their like I would like to get him an outside receiver, but there weren't a lot left to choose from. So I gave him Amari. I like Amari a lot. I think he's going to be better than people think he is. And Justin Hilliard. Um, I like Baron Browning better, but Justin Hilliard, he'll, he'll hit you in the mouth in the run game, I thought. And Samuel's right. real good, man. Yeah, he is. He is. All right. Good stuff, guys. Excellent breakdowns as always. Emery, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we are going to, oh, by the way, I should point out that it is March. This is March. Houston's hitting half court shots. We got a conference tournaments firing up this week, and that means it is time for bracket season. You can create a pool to compete against your friends or fill out your bracket for the chance to win a Nissan Rogue and a trip to the 2022 Final Four. You can play on CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com slash brackets. Join our podcast group by clicking on the link in the episode description. So come on, we'll, uh, maybe we'll give away like a Brinson Sucks hat to the winner of the, uh, the winner of the, 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 the bracket, the pick six podcast bracket. So check out that link. I'll tweet it out as well. Uh, pod listeners, stay tuned for two interviews with some top draft pos- prospects. First, you'll hear our pal Josh Edwards talk to Clemson wide receiver Amari Rogers. And then Ryan Wilson will talk to Washington defensive lineman. Oh, I thought you were going to say it again. Levi Owens Arike. By the way, before we go, do you know who you must know this, uh, Breach? Who is Amari Rogers' dad? You just called me Breach. Princeton. Um, Amari Rogers' dad. I'll give you a hint. You want a hint? Is it is his last name Rogers? No, that's not the hint. He played at. Uh, he played. Uh, this is who he's, he played quarterback at Tennessee. And it's not Peyton Manning. <laughs> there you go. I didn't want you to say Peyton Manning because I'd have been wrong. <laughs> Andy Kelly. <laughs> uh, who is the guy who's quarter L pattern? Who's the? He's a backup in the NFL now. He's um who? He played through the ball to quarter um old Tennessee quarterback. Oh yeah, I don't know who that is. Oh God, how am I forgetting? Austin Ainge, like which one? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, There's another tennis. Oh, Bray? Is it Bray? Yes, Bray, yeah, Bray. 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 Yes. There there Thank you, Kyle. I have an uncomfortable thirty seconds while I Google that. Uh, if you want for, if you're watching on YouTube, we do this show live on Sundays on YouTube. You can find those chats posted separately on the YouTube channel or in the podcast itself. So let's throw it to Josh Edwards and Amari Rogers. So we now welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, one of the more underrated players, in my opinion, in the 2021 NFL Draft. That's Clemson wide receiver Amari Rogers um, taking some time to join us today. Amari, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So, you know, things look a little bit different for you right now. So I think fans would kind of be interested to hear where you're training and what your typical day looks like. Yeah, for sure. I'm training at House of Athlete down in Western Florida. Um, and the typical day will be in the morning. We'll do field work if it's speed training or position work from like nine to, to 11. And then we we'll have a break to eat lunch and do a little bit of recovery from like one, two, two thirty. And then we'll lift from like three to four thirty. Uh, so that's really, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, we have like a recovery day where we just come in and get massages and stuff like that and do yoga. Um, and then Tuesday and Thursday, it's the same as Monday and Tuesday. So it's a pretty good routine for me, uh, just getting my body back right and, you know, getting, you know, my speed back up to where I want to be. So, you know, I'm getting right. So it feels good. Yeah. I was going to ask you later down the road, but I'll go ahead and say it since you brought it up. What are you expecting to run or what have maybe you already been running in the 40 yard dash? Uh, mid 4-4. Nice. Very nice. Yes, so for, for everybody that is watching on YouTube, you see, you know, Amari has a, a fresh new haircut, so he's feeling pretty good right about now. Um, you know, so Amari, when there, there are so many of these, you know, slot type receivers in this draft class, and I'm sure you hear, you know, the names of the guys that are in contention at your position. So 
how much do you pay attention to the rankings, the mock drafts, that kind of stuff? I mean, I see it, but you know, I don't, I don't really let it affect me or I don't really like pay attention to it uh, too much. But you know, you gotta, you gotta look at it and see, you know, where people may see you going and stuff like that as well. But you know, I don't let it affect me or anything like that. You know, I'm still, you know, running my path. You know, I'm still staying on my, on my journey, focusing on myself, you know, doing whatever I can so that when I do get blessed with the opportunity to be on the team, you know, I'm ready to go. So that's all I can worry about and control right now. Yeah, and I think that's the right mindset because at the end of the day, you know, the rankings, the mock drafts, that kind of stuff, you really can't concern yourself with it because it's 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 not going to change um, until you get back on the field. So exactly. when you are trying to, you know, tell teams why they should pick you in the draft, when you compare yourself against, you know, Florida's Kadarius Tony or Ole Miss's Elijah Moore, you know, those type of guys, what are you telling teams to kind of help sell yourself? Uh, just the the work ethic that I bring to the game. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody in this class that works me, and I, I I stand by that. Uh, you know, the way that my mentality I bring to the game is different, second to none. You know, I come to work every single day trying to get one percent better. Uh, with a not trying to waste a day mindset, and if you waste a day, it's not too many days you're gonna get. Uh, because you know, one day something can be taken away from you like that. So you gotta take every single day like it's your last day, and try to get better uh, so you can become the player that you want to be. So that's really how I approach every single day. And, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So, you know, when I make a mistake, I'm kind of hard on myself so I can get it right. Because, uh, you know, if you make one mistake on one little play, it can play a big difference in the whole game. So, you know, that's really how I approach the game. And, you know, just how I come and lead by example is second to none as well. So I feel like as far as mentally uh, and physically, uh, because of the way that I work, I feel like I'm, I'm already a pro. Uh, so, you know, that's really what I'm going to bring to the league. It's just somebody that's, that's ready and prepared and ready to go and going to do anything to help the team win. Yeah, no question. And, you know, you talk about being a pro. Obviously, your father, you know, was T. Martin, was a really successful college player. Um, you know, how much have you been able to take from him and what kind of advice has he given you? Yeah, I've, I've taken a lot. You know, growing up, you know, he was always there, you know, critiquing me and stuff like that, just being a coach that he is uh, through high school and even through college, you know, sending him one-on-one tapes and, you know, learning from him and helping him, helping him uh, coach me up and stuff like that. So it's always good having somebody in that corner that you know that's been there uh, and this coach is, and that's coached at the highest level of the game. So he knows what he's talking about. So, you know, it's really a blessing just to have somebody like that in my corner that I know wants the best from me uh, and, and he's seen the best. So, you know, you're going to get – great advice from him. Uh, and every single time I have a question, you know, I go to him and he gives me the correct answer. So it's, it's really a blessing to have him as my father. So as a former quarterback, you know, what kind of advice has he given you? I mean, is he telling you what he's looking for as a quarterback out of a, out of a wide receiver coming out of breaks, um, you know, maybe giving a little bit of separation, that kind of stuff? Uh, no, nah, he's been coaching to the raw receiver position for like 12, 10 years now. So, you know, he's kind of, you know, in the receiver mindset now. He's not really in the quarterback mindset uh, as much now. But, you know, he still sees it from a quarterback perspective. But now when he coaches me, you know, he's coaching it from a true receiver perspective because, you know, he's seen it, you know, he's coached it, and, you know, he knows what it looks like and he knows what it takes to get to that elite level. So that's really more the the aspect he comes at is in a technical standpoint, you know, just – being uh, paying attention to the little things because, you know, those take you the furthest. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's an invaluable resource. Um, you know, obviously you've got the Clemson coaches there at your disposal, but um, to have a family member that, you know, has played at such a high level and has coached, you know, the wide receivers, even within the SEC is, is again, invaluable. So, um, right. you know, when you, when you reflect on maybe this past season, maybe your career, um, is there a cornerback that you remember that, you know, was the most difficult that you that you faced in your career or this past season? Uh, I wouldn't say cornerback because, uh, you know, I played mostly slot. Uh, so I was going against safeties and Nico Sams. Uh, so I'll say a safety. Uh, the safety is probably Kyle Hamilton uh, from Notre Dame. Uh, he's for sure uh, the best player that I've played against this past season. Uh, so I would say him just the way how athletic he is and how long he is. You know, he's 6'3", 6'4". Uh, he's very physical, a sure tackler. Uh, you know, my thing is running after catch. So whenever I get the ball around him, you know, I got to be on my P's and Q's because he, he's a sure tackler. Uh, he's very smart, uh, intelligent. He knows where he needs to be. Uh, so all around, he's a great player. He's going to definitely be a top-round pick next year. 
Yeah, it's good that you bring that up because that is a name that the draft fans are going to become familiar with over the next year. I think he's got everything that you would need to be an eventual top 10 pick. So um, definitely a name for draft fans to know as we move forward. But one name to know now is a guy that you've you've spent a lot of time with in the locker room, uh, the presumptive number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. We hear all of these descriptors, you know, that he's a generational talent, that um, you know, he, he, you, you hear comparisons to Andrew Luck and John Elway and all these greats of the past. Is that fair? I mean, when you hear those kind of descriptions, like is Trevor Lawrence, everything that you hear described in the media? Yeah, he is. He is for sure. Uh, he's definitely lived up to his, to everything that everybody's expected him to be uh, so far in his career, you know, even in high school, you know, being a five-star and then coming to Clemson to a top program. He proved everybody wrong. He came in, you know, he still played at a high level early all the way throughout his career. Uh, so I feel like it's, it's not going to change now with the NFL. You know, he's going to come in and just do what he does, uh, which is make plays, you know, be a leader, be a competitor. Uh, he's going to be all right. You know, I'm not worried about him at all. Uh, you know, I've seen it firsthand, you know, for three years. Uh, so I know that he's ready and I know he's going to turn whatever team he goes to around and, and make them a winning program. What would it be like for you to possibly end up on the same team with him again down the road? Uh, shoot, that'd be special. You know, we already been linking up, so <laughs> just keep it going. Uh, that would be amazing. You know, that's my dog, you know, uh, in practice, you know, we, we do all the extra work, uh, so that's easy in the game. So I feel like if we were able to do that at the next level, you know, it'd just be even more, even more better. Cause you know, we're pros now, you know, we just play do football all day, all day. And it's not just academics as well. So you know, if we're able to, to link up and be able to study and, you know, learn from each other all day long, you know, it'd be special. So I think college football fans have been familiar with your name for the better part of three seasons. But one name that we kind of got to know a little bit better this year is wide receiver Cornell Powell, a guy that, you know, hadn't been thrust into as large of a role as what he received this year. So what mm-hmm. did you see from him this year and, you know, how much he had grown from previous years? Just a playmaker, man. He, he's always had that in him, uh, but he just finally got his opportunity. You know, he stayed patient. He stayed with it, stuck with it. He could have easily transferred uh, to the easy way, but, you know, he, he stuck it out and just learned from the other guys that were playing in front of him. And then when his time came, you know, he took advantage of it and he showed out. Uh, and now that he showed out, you know, he, he's put himself in a perfect position to, you know, be successful at the next level as well. So, you know, I'm super happy for him. You know, me and him are kind of both in the same situation as far as, you know, not getting our opportunity to, you know, show what we really got into our last years. Uh, so, you know, the, the fact that we were both able to stick it out and, you know, just put all of our marbles all in uh, at the end of our careers and put a great season out, you know, that's just, you know, it's amazing. Uh, it just shows that if you just stick with it and you keep grinding, you know, it'll come to fruition uh, eventually. So you just got to keep grinding it out and it'll come. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, Clemson is making a really strong case to be wide receiver you here in a couple of years because, you know, you talk about T last year, you've got you and Cornell this year. Um, next year, a couple of guys that I think fans are going to be familiar with, Joe Ngata and Justin Ross, a couple more wide receivers out of there. So, you know, what should fans, you know, in college football expect from them this coming season? And how high do you think the ceiling is for those two guys? It's deep. Uh, it's not this, just them two. Uh, you got Joe, you got Justin, you got Frank Ladson, you got EJ Williams, you got Brennan Spector. It's, right, the list goes on. They're like eight deep that can go and start for any program. So I, I expect y'all to see a group that's going to be deep, that's going to go out there fresh every single game because of how deep they are, and they're just going to air it out. Because, you know, that's what DJ does. He loves to throw the ball. Uh, so I feel like they're all going to ball out this year, especially, you know, Justin coming back from his injury. He wants to ball out and show everybody that, you know, that injury didn't affect his game. Uh, you know, Joe, he was injured for most of the year last year. So, you know, both of those guys are going to have fresh legs. Uh, so I, I'm just excited to see, you know, what they come out and do. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a movie for sure. So when you've got that much talent on offense, you 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 had Travis Etienne, you've got Lynn J. Dixon, um, you know, we've got all those wide receivers that you've talked about already. How much easier or or is it even stressful to play with that much talent? Does it make your job easier? Or do you feel that much more pressure to 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 kind of hold your own and make your own uh big plays throughout the course of a game? 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like it does make it easy because, you know, Coach Sweeney always says just do your job. Uh, and when you know that you have a lot of playmakers around you and you just do your job, you know you're going to get good with results because, you know, if you have Travis, Trevor, you know, great offensive line, you know, have Justin Ross and T playing with me as well. You know, if you have guys like that playing with you and y'all just all do your job, you're going to be unstoppable. Uh, so that's really all I do is just worry about myself and just doing my job. And I know that if I do that, we're going to be good at the end of the day. Yeah, so I've got one more question for you before we get you out of here. Uh, the typical host for the Pick 6 podcast is Will Branson. Um, he's a big NC State fan, so it's been a pretty one-sided affair uh, between <laughs> Clemson and NC State in recent years. Mm-hmm. So when you reflect on that, is there one memory or, um, you know, one time that you that you look back on in that NC State rivalry? Uh I had a big punt return versus them. My junior year, I had a big punt return, but it got called back for a bogus block in the back penalty. So I remember that because it was like 50, 60-yard return. Then I looked back, it was a flag, and I was mad. And then I look at the, the replay, and he barely touched them. So I was like, come on. Like, they took that one play that I, that I was looking for away from me. So that's something that I remember, too. And it was it was really bad weather that night, too. So I'll never forget that. Yeah, that's always aggravating because – a lot of cases, as a return man, you see these penalties and they're not even close to the play uh, exactly. where, where it happens. So that's got to be incredibly infuriating. But, um, you know, we'll make sure we pass it on to Will that he got lucky on that one and, <laughs> uh, you know, should have had another touchdown on the board. But Amari, that is all that we've got for you today, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot going on, uh, but you've been really generous with your time. So thank you for joining us and, uh, you know, best of luck with your with your draft preparation. Hey, for sure. Appreciate y'all for having me. Y'all have a good one. You know what, man? I've been watching your YouTube channel. It's that's pretty good. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, man. Appreciate well, I started. It. I wanted to see because I, I watched. Uh, I watched four of your games last in 2019. So I, I knew mm. about you coming in, uh, out of the summer, and I was you know disappointed that you didn't play. And I'm, I'm sure you heard that a lot. But I wanted to see how your journey was to Mobile, and you only had the one practice, but you you balled out of that one practice and. What was the feedback you got from teams based on that one practice, given the fact that you hadn't even played in 2020 and people thought, okay, maybe Levi's going to be rusty and you didn't look rusty at all. Yeah. The feedback was, uh, I got a lot of positive feedback from the coaches and, you know, everybody who watched it. Obviously I think if I would have played, you know, practice two, practice three in the game, you know, I would have been in a better position, but it was good feedback for sure. Now, is there anything the NFL teams that, that, that you talked to that week, that they said, okay, Levi, we want you to get better in this area or this, these areas you need to improve because you're incredibly quick for your size. You're incredibly strong for your size. You don't look like a quote unquote defensive tackle. You look like uh, a hopped up Jadavion Clowney ready to go <laughs> with that type of, uh, that size and, and the way your physique is. Uh, is there anything that they said, okay, here's some things that maybe you should work on? Uh, not any tubby much. More like stuff I already know, like pad level, keeping my pad level down to create a better base. That was kind of the main point. So one of the, uh, I mean, you were a shining star day one, no doubt about it, but another shining star on your team that I wanted to ask you about at the senior bowl was, was Quinn Miners. And I'm guessing you didn't know who Quinn was before you got there. <laughs> not, a, not at all. I didn't know a lot about him. I, I give that guy a lot of respect for going out there with that half shirt on and then, and then yeah. playing and then balling out. But you 100%. had some one on ones with him. He's the center from, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater for people who don't know. He didn't play at all. Uh, either in, in 2020, their season was canceled. He spent a lot of time working out, like carrying logs. I don't know if you saw that video of him, like carrying logs around. Yeah, but you went, you went up against him one on one. How was, like, what was that experience? Cause I'm, you I would imagine coming from a power five school, you see a small school guy, you're not given a lot of thought. He's at the senior bowl, so you know he earned that right. But mm-hmm. before you went up against him one on one and afterwards, what were your thoughts about him? Because he seems like a guy who also made himself some money that week. Mm-hmm. Well, before, I mean, you know, Coach Pete and everybody in my school teaches us to not think of guys like that. You know, he was there for a reason, so we knew he was going to be a baller in some sort of fashion. But uh, for me, I was surprised by his quickness. He's a quick, fast center. He kind of reminds me of uh, our center, Nick Harris, who's quick, fast, and strong. So he's kind of that that kind of build. Yeah, he was he was fun, man. And he, I was I was I was sorry he didn't get a chance to play. I think he had a, had an injury as well. So in 2019, I mean, you had a lot, a lot of really good games and you put a lot of good stuff on tape. Uh, they had you playing in, in Washington. Sometimes you played zero, sometimes you had three. Um, where are you most comfortable? Could you even kick out the five if you needed to? Like, what, where do you, where is the best area for Levi to start, like, to dominate off the snap? 
Yeah, generally I can play anywhere. I can play the zero, the one, the two, the three, the four, and the five. Seven but, uh, nine. the best seven seven and nine. Fuck it. Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I could I can pretty much play everywhere on the line. Where I'm most comfortable based on the season, either the zero or the three. Yeah. Either one I mean, is fine for me. You gave centers a lot of trouble. You gave guys a lot of trouble in, in the A and the B gap as well. I want to ask you about that 2019 season, about some quarterbacks you faced. Because, I mean, everyone knew Justin Herbert last year, the year before. They knew who Justin Herbert was. But not a lot of people knew about Zach Wilson. And you guys faced BYU the last two years, 2018, 2019, and you beat him. Do you have any memories of Zach Wilson 2019 version? Because he had a decent year. He wasn't the guy he was in 2020. But mm-hmm. going in, like, did you guys game plan against his ability to move and to throw and all that? Or he was just a, a guy you were facing? Uh Respectfully, I think he was just a guy we were facing. No, I, I understand mean, that. But, I mean, yeah. he, look, he made a huge leap in 2020. He did. He yeah, did. absolutely. For sure. But, uh, I mean, he was doing good in 2019 because yeah. pretty sure they were undefeated before we played them. But we had already played BYU, I think, either the year before that or – Yeah, 2018 year. you played him. And beat we him. did. Beat okay, him yeah. Good. Yeah. So, in our heads, it was kind of like we're just going to beat him again. You know what I'm saying? So. Yep. It didn't matter if they were undefeated or whatnot. I don't think anybody was really paying attention to who their quarterback was. Yeah. No, that's right. That. And yeah. now, look, man, to his credit, people are paying attention to who the quarterback 100%, is. 100%. As he, they should. He, he balled out. So uh, another quarterback, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on him, but he's a guy that people are talking about in the media. And you talk to NFL folks, they're talking about him. Davis Mills, the quarterback out of Stanford. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a big kid. He's 6'4". He has a pretty good arm. I mean, he's not – you know, he ain't Lamar Jackson in terms of running, but, but he makes plays. Were, were there – any sort of game plan concerns about how he could hurt you down the field? Uh, no, nah, not not much for him because he stands in the pocket. Yeah, so it's kind of you know contain and get get a sack. He's not a. I don't think we categorized him as a runner or anything like that. So it was, you know it was our normal stand in the pocket and pass quarterback. Now I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you know who Justin Herbert was when you guys faced yeah. off in 2019 because oh, yeah. he does. Are you surprised at the year he had because he look. I love Justin Herbert, and I apologize every time I bring his name up because I didn't think he was going to be this good this quickly. <laughs> were, are you, were you shocked at how quickly he was able to turn it on? I wasn't shocked. I think that's a, that's a cool and collective dude. I think he sits in pockets calm. He shuffles to the side. He's, he's elusive in the pocket. I thought he was, he's going to be good. He's just a cool and collective dude. I think that cool, collective, and confidence is, is going to make you successful in the league. So, so I wasn't I- surprised. So I, I, I ask guys this when I talk to them because, you know, I I do the draft stuff for CBS and, of course, I have to do mock drafts, and I spend a lot of time getting yelled at by by fans. Do you peek at mock drafts? Is that something that you do? Do I peek at mock drafts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I peek at them every once in a while. I mean, it's hard not to. Guy, guys tag you in them on Twitter. Guys tag you in them on Instagram. So you're not going to, like, not look at it. So, yeah, I look at it, but at the same time, it's like none of them – are the truth. The only, the only right. truth is the first five guys. Then everything else is, <laughs> is just bullshit. <laughs> well, look, man, that's great advice. I, I like your game a lot and you're one of my favorite players in this draft class. So, uh, again, that doesn't mean much because I'm not drafting people, but, but I've, <laughs> I've been impressed with what you've been able to do. I want to ask you about a couple of your teammates. Uh, you talked a lot with, with Keith Taylor at the combine. Uh, I mean, excuse me, the, at the senior bowl. You guys seem close. He had a great week. Uh, he's a long corner. He's long arms, long legs. But what about uh, his guy in the secondary and your teammate, Elijah Molden? He's a more of a slot guy. He plays like a dog. What, what are your thoughts on, on him? He's the smartest kid on the field, smartest man on the field, and he can translate that easily to the field. So he's a he's a baller in, the, in his head, and then physically he's a baller. I think the dude's just ridiculous. He's like he's like a Tyron Matthews, but more technical in my in my opinion. I, and that's a great comparison, and, and I was really impressed. And one of the things that people sort of in the media anyway get lost on is, well, he's not as tall as Keith Taylor, or he's he's smaller in size, but he he doesn't play like he's five eleven or whatever he's listed at. And um, what about your your line mate, Joe Tryon, who also opted out in twenty twenty, I think. And and he again, he's another guy that is built like six five two sixty, I think is what what he's listed at. I'm not sure his exact numbers are. But he plays exactly how he looks. Like he is strong at the point of attack. He can he can set the edge. He can get after it. He just hasn't played a lot of football. So what are your thoughts yeah. on, on Joe? I mean, he can do he can do everything you need him to do. Joe's a beast. I don't know if you've seen him now. Swollen uh-uh. shit. He's he's huge. <laughs> he's huge now. He's really grown into his body. He was already big before, but he's really grown into his body. Has a lot of bend. Crazy arsenal of pass rush moves. He's gonna be great. I think 
he's going to be a – obviously, he didn't play as much. So he could be a sleeper, but I think as soon as he gets into the league, he's going to be an instant impact. I feel like he is a guy that if he snuck into the bottom of round one, much like you, if either one of you guys <laughs> win the first round, it would not surprise me at all. And I can't envision a situation where you guys are hanging around in the middle of round two without having knowing what, what your future holds. Cause you got, and Elijah Molden too, for that matter. Like that Washington yeah. team was sneaky good for people in the East Coast who didn't spend a lot of time watching, uh, you know, Pac 12 football. Uh, so let, let me ask you, let me ask you this. And you sort of talked about this in, in your video, uh, covering the senior bowl. Um, what is your go-to pass rush move? And one of the, like, what, what's the secondary thing that you go to if you get stymied, uh, if the initial move doesn't work? Yeah. So my go-to is a bull pull. Yeah. So I'll get my hands on you. You got, you, know? you got Quinn on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did. I got that one. And then I think my counter, if I got stuck on a bull pool, first you, you just go to power, you go straight to power, you push the pocket. But, uh, sometimes I counter with a spin. Sometimes I do just the arm over to get out of it. So it's, it's multiple things. The pass rush is usually about your first step is a plan. And then your second step is a reaction. Uh, Levi, let me ask you one more question. I'll let you go. And I appreciate your time because I know you're busy and no problem. You, you ain't making any money talking to me. So I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and this is something that when you talk to agents, you, you, you say, you hear that this may happen more often. So you opted out and I would imagine you spent a lot of that time getting ready for this moment here and the moments that are going to come mm-hmm. in the coming months. Do you feel like you're, like I said, you weren't rusty at all day one of the senior bowl. Do you feel like this was a good path for you in terms of staying in shape and even getting stronger and better? Or do you wish you were, ha- had been able to play five or six or 12 football games? I mean, obviously I wish I would have played and been with my boys, but I think this was for sure the better choice for preparing me for the next level. Not even preparing me for the combine or the pro day. I'll do good there, but like preparing me for the NFL to be able to go into it and be an impact as a rookie. I think this is, this was the best option. Awesome. Uh, Levi, uh, Levi Owens Arike. I think I got that right. Owens Arike. There it is. I appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and, and thanks for spending some time with us. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man.